If you've been hearing about Leaderbits and still aren't sure, I recommend you visit leaderbits.io forward slash testimonials and see the success that other technologists just like you are having. Today we are talking to Martin, the CTO at Simpress, and we discuss creating an atmosphere where an individual can make an impact, learning new areas of the business when you transition into the CTO role, and how to get your point across effectively. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Tell me about what's going on in your life. Well, you know, there like in my life, there were lots of things going on. Um, we're, we're, we're expanding. We're continuously getting bigger as a company. We're buying. We're organically growing, and it's a it's a cool time to uh, to work at Simpress. And we're really deep in this um, sort of almost technical transformation where we were always really good and still are at like the manufacturing efficiency, bringing really that 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 e-commerce thing together, but really injecting much more data-driven tech and all kinds of the sometimes buzzwords, new, newer stuff in there, the AI and these kind of things in there is, <laughs> is an awesome new kind of like wave that's going on inside of our company where we see the first, uh, well, actually financial returns on it, but also just the leeway that we still have on this is, 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 is exciting. So yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we can dive into 50 different topics on this particularly. But uh, I'm curious, like, what was the series of events that led you to Sunpress? Well, that's a good, uh, good point. It's, a, it's been a long adventure. I sometimes say this is my first job because I've always been actually more in the startup-y kind of uh, 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 world. But um, yeah, so originally, um, to very specifically answer that part of it, is that in 2011, uh, Vistaprint at that time, when Sim, the, uh, Simpress is the parent company of also a com company better known as Vistaprint, of course, which most people might know uh, out there, bought my uh, company called Album Printer, which is um, uh, in Europe, and which is basically a photo book manufacturing company. Um, there's like an equivalent of that a little bit here in the States would be Shutterfly, these kind of things. Uh, but it's like a European and Europe, there are a couple of them actually uh, competing with each other. One of them is Albedi. And uh, that uh, ran from a startup with three people, which I wasn't the original founder fund. I did, it came up with the idea, but I was one of the first technologists that they say, hey, we got a problem and we need a lot of tech to, to solve, but our customers really want this. And, uh, and it just, you know, grew so quick and then Vistaprint acquired it. And that's how I ended up at Vistaprint Simpress. That's awesome. Because Vistaprint, or, or, so now technically it's Simpress, right? Yeah. And they own a number of brands. Yeah. So when Vistaprint started buying companies, um, you get this brand illusion a little bit, right? Um, 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 like who is what company? And that's why we came up with the Simpress name on top of it. And why is that important? Well, if you go, for instance, like with a company like Amazon, like you buy products at Amazon that you know Amazon doesn't make, although they do a little bit of customization here and there. But if you buy a game console there, it's the game console of that particular brand that you bought at Amazon. If that game console breaks, you're not mad at Amazon. They're just the supplier of this thing. You're mad at that particular game console provider, right? So with us, it's like we make those products from scratch. So like there is definitely uh, between some of the brands a quality difference aspect, right? Where we have amazing customer care. We will go to the 
and degree to make everything happen for you. And we got a couple of brands that are a little bit more on the, you know, you get amazing price and yeah, a little bit less customer care. And that's a choice. It's a choice that the customer buys into. It's clear, right? And so that's why there are different brands and they're also very separately uh, uh, managed by us in Simpress. We see it really as a portfolio of brands with their own managing directors that are actually executing on a daily basis specifically for that customer segment that's the, that, they, that they work with. And so then how does that shape your job? Well, that's the good point. So it's actually a little bit of an interesting, but sometimes slightly complex story. Um, the simplest way is to say it. Simpress is the central parent company and we invest in three strategic things centrally in our organization. First, procurement. There's just a lot of raw procurement going on throughout all of our businesses that just make sense, like buying paper, buying raw t-shirt stocks, buying all these kind of things, buying raw things for pens, <laughs> that all of these things that we customize, right? And um, buying that centrally makes a lot of sense. Second is talent. Um, like there's just talent rotation within these businesses going on, uh, which is awesome actually. So people can have a career rotating throughout these businesses. Um, financially, it's of course governed and control, which could be the third thing, but it's like not an opt-in thing. That's just a must-have, right? We centrally do that eventually. And then there's my group, um, Cypress Technologies, which is actually the biggest group from the central group. So it's uh, a little bit around 300 uh, engineers and technologists basically. And what we do is we invest in the most common but also most expensive and risky parts of what we call mass customization, aka making these products, right, uh, at near mass production efficiency, but they're all unique. Every order is unique from our customers. And so there's a couple of common technology problems that every of these businesses face, and we do them centrally, and we do them efficiently, and we do them actually with a lot more extra whistles and bells to them, like adding AI, big data, all this kind of stuff to it, which a company that does $30 million revenue can never have been affording it. Like you need an engineering team of 20 people just to do one of these uh, functions. So I do those centrally. And then all the other businesses step into it. So we got almost like an internal, best way to describe it, an internal AWS kind of a, a thing for all of the businesses out there, which is proprietary and, and close today still. No, that's brilliant because, yeah, it centralizes all the development, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get, the, you get the scaled benefit of it. So exactly. I, I love it. I don't want to be repetitive of what you said, but I, yeah. I guess me being repetitive is like in awe about how beautiful the business model is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And keep in mind, every business has their own CTOs and like I do a bi-weekly CTO roundtable. So all of these businesses have their own technologists and they have varying degrees of like e-commerce stacks, homegrown, the Magentos, the headless CMSs with like, you know, um, um, uh, other kinds of middleware things in it. So there's a whole uh, gamut out, out there of the businesses, how they use it. And we help, we advise. There are some common rules that we do use. Like we all want to have the restful, uh, restful uh, JSON APIs. We want to a certain amount of security standards built in, which is a little bit of a law that goes through the land of Simpress. But there's a lot of autonomy for these businesses to say, listen, we're gonna go after this particular market in this particular way. I'm, I, basically, I wanna prevent 
to say, are we going to overhaul our checkouts, you know, shopping baskets, uh, or are we going to invest in this new technology? I do not want to sit at that roadmap and decision table of that particular business because one person's head would explode when you have to do that. Now, now is that shirt made by Sempress Technology? <laughs> this one is uh, one of our businesses, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I make a lot of them, but I also order a lot of comp uh, with some of the competitors. Uh, <laughs> like like checking continuously out what what everybody's doing on that. You've got to, you've got to stay yeah. because you don't want to hear it from a lost customer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so Vistaprint's one of the more well-known ones here in the United States. What's like yeah. the second most well-known one other than Vistaprint? Well, in Europe, it's almost a little bit per country, right? As Europe tends to go with different languages, there's also some very different cultural aspect. Now, of course, every state is slightly different here, living in the States. Now, for a while, um, I've noticed that there is big differences between a Massachusetts, uh, a Texas, or a California. But um, in, in Europe, that's, of course, way further. And um, so in Italy, you would have, like, PixArt is a, is a big one, uh, PrintDU in the Netherlands, uh, EXA in France. There's, like, every... Uh, we're Mark and Druk in Germany. We got, like, uh, in every major market, we'll, we'll have some pretty good, good players out there. But maybe so even a slightly different angle towards how they approach the market because for instance we also have and that's much more internationally another brand which is nationalpen.com uh, and, and um, maybe they do a big part of them actually with traditional telesales with like sending still the envelopes from a marketing perspective and then they do an e-commerce side of it which is like a two hybrid which is going on there so it's uh, it's different all over the place did you see that, that uh billionaire that's gonna go to the moon Zozo, yeah, I loved uh, like like the suit uh, 3D scan uh, uh, guy. Like, <laughs> I mean, and you work with his company. He's in fashion. <laughs> yeah, well, I have um, um, guy work for me. He's uh, he's really awesome. He does a lot of this. Uh, far out there in the future research of stuff and technology goes on and he was like check it out i got this like polka dot super suit did it for my phone check out these are my sizes blah 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 and it was three weeks before and i love following what eon is doing with spacex <laughs> so i'm like here comes here comes he and he basically i'm going to the moon with artists and i'm like oh my god that's the guy from the 3d suit that was like an interesting thing we were immediately on slack going like you got to be kidding me you were just pitching <laughs> that and that stuff to me but uh yeah that's amazing yeah he's a fashion and fashion is actually more and more going to customize too i mean if you think about fashion is traditionally there's crazy mass customization long run within big stock units going on but more and more in fashion are actually short run possibility where you can just make one garment i mean that's our latest investment uh, one of our latest investment also with vida which is doing awesome things on the uh, on that front you just make one garment well i mean like you like this this t-shirt right be dye sublimating or these kind of techniques there are on the market much longer but but it's now starting to happen uh, which HP and some other uh, big manufacturing uh, manufacturers, they actually do the pattern that you would have on your shirt, right? Like even that little pattern that you would have in your colors. I know the listeners can uh, can hear that, but like any any type of um, pattern that is which almost feels like it's in the fabric itself is usually also printed but in large runs. Now you see that going down to very short runs. And I think that will completely also disrupt some of the textile and clothing industry when you think about even the big brands out there. And there's a, 
And we definitely keep a close eye on that as Simpress for what is going on because that's like what we love to do is make single units with you know mass production efficiency. So I'm curious, what do you think? And you know, nothing has to be like I'm not going to hold you to it. What do you think buying clothes is going to look like in ten years? Well, I think actually the from a consumer perspective. Yeah. Okay. This is just me. By the way, this is not my field of expertise, but I'll give it. But I'll give it a go there. <laughs> but uh, I think um, uh, people still, you know, go to main streets and shop because that's an experience in itself. And it's fun. Get a drink afterwards or uh, buy to eat. You. What was already going on, of course, is you will shop online. I love that too. Do that often. I think more it's the back end part of it that is. The, probably going to be disrupted. Um, having some mail in some country for low costs, making 50,000 of the same pieces that end up first at high streets, then go to you know discount depots and then end up in some other place or something. It's just a very inefficient process. And uh, again, Vida is a company that uh, Super just invested in that is doing, uh, is exactly trying to disrupt that particular side of the market where, you know, why not print only 50 of it fly two pieces only to all your high street locations, see how quick it sells, use that data from your you know, cash register and just see, do I print some more of, uh, of these particular garments or do I even make variations? And then it becomes a much more direct kind of, a, kind of a interaction with what the consumer wants um, versus what you can create. And you, you can even imagine that the whole what is for the summer and for next year, the season, that stuff might get disrupted, that whole seasonality of, of clothing if you can produce and have it in store within a month uh, or a month and a half time frame. My guess. <laughs> there, I'm curious to know how you keep the engineering team close to like the physical hardware product capabilities, right? Because there's there's always that connection between you know, you're building some, some software that's ultimately leveraging some physical device to manufacture yeah. and are those devices in your office? Do you take them on site? Like, how do you keep them close so they can touch and, and have some other uh, ex other side of the experience with interacting with these machines? Yeah. So, I mean, there are some some of the machines are simple. Every competitor is using them, uh, and that's not so complex. I mean, it's just really cool to to cool, uh, to to play with. You like software, you like that machine, even to just the hardware to play with. Almost. But there are some complexer processes. Um, like even embroidery, uh, like how do you you know fill up the, the the different color threads that with the pattern that actually that needle automated has to go to get that logo uh, stitch onto something. Uh, but even bigger, more integrated processes with print, right? Like all like like all, if there's lots of extra steps with it, yeah, you need a lot of more mechanical engineering meets software these kind of um, um, uh, things. Um, that's why I said in the beginning I like. Peter's uh, with Emerson a little bit, although that is doing critical things where, <laughs> <laughs> where you like, like think, things really go bad. And for us, we'll get an order too late, which we find really, really bad for the customers, but no power plants now or such things. But we do get a lot of people with like, you know, mechanical engineering uh, stuff. It's not for nothing that we're so close to Boston, MIT, and we got a lot of people from uh, that side working actually with us. And um, everyone of the businesses like Vistaprint has an entire department dedicated and devoted to the machine and the flows of manufacturing and, and, and how that actually goes. And we were, I work very tightly with them. Now, the end cell of what we call a cell where um, uh, a machine has a certain amount of output 
And how do we as quickly and efficiently, just in time, bring it then to the next cell in the factory? It's actually something that I do not do, but there are very common manufacturing processes. This works almost with any other manufacturer out there, practically the same. So I try to keep very tightly connected with those groups. You got me like really, really interested. I want to, I've got to know like your day, right? Yeah. You've got all of this stuff. You've got multiple brands. You've got a centralized team. I'm assuming you assign some people to each company maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then. Well, no, it's more of a SaaS model internally, what I said. So it's AWS internally. Although the bigger the project, the more impact it can have, then we will send also people to swarm over it. But yeah, okay. for sure. So then what is your what is your average day? I'm, I'm assuming it changes based on how things are going. But yeah. how do you divide, uh, if you're going to divide your day into a pie chart, what would the three big areas be? Well, it's a, it's, it's a lot of talks with the businesses and the people of my, my direct um leaders and what we call tribe leads which is we we used maybe maybe that's an interesting side note we used a lot of the spotify terminology where there are some great spotify movies out there i recommend everybody to watch them which is like we made a little bit to our own but we use the tribes and squads kind of a model well i got like 12 tribes that are divided in logical sort of areas where people can really sort of like divide themselves into uh, where there's knowledge necessary, like a product catalog, um, which is like, how do we do PIN with mass customized products where the permutations are literally in the millions and billions in some cases. Uh, it's interesting to talk about that maybe later. But then it goes all the way to how do you deal with all the imagery and artwork that's coming in because every order has like a logo, a pen, or like complete photos or these kind of things on it. So all of these are tribes and they all have roadmaps. And all of these businesses have potential opportunities out there. And what we non-stop do and what I'm non-stop tracking together with my leadership team is to figure out what are the biggest opportunities out there, what are the biggest opportunities long-term versus short-term that will just create you know, more growth or more cost savings in a particular business, and then say, okay, are, are, are you guys, from, uh, as a tribe, putting that or not on your roadmap? They put it on their roadmap, which is a very agile, but every tribe even does it a little bit differently. We have a couple of tribes that are practically waterfallish and some other like completely Kanban, they do whatever they want within their particular squads. These squads of squad leads, which is the, an actual engineer that has max 10 people, and a couple of engineers, maybe some DevOps, QA, sometimes actually a business person, like a financial person in there to make sure that, you know, they actually make a good product and they start building it, executing it, deploying it and working directly with the business to get that uh, implemented. And so my day to come back into that is nonstop going round robin <laughs> on these 12, seeing what the opportunity is and gives me also the best insight of what's going on throughout Simpress. So as a leader there, it's your responsibility to identify emerging leaders, right? Yes. Be able to bring them up and identify who's who's emerging and then resource them. What what behavior stands out to you? Maybe a recent example, you can leave the name out, right? But like what behavior was an individual expressing that you said, Oh, I'm gonna keep an eye on them for leadership? Yeah, that's a good point. Um for me 
I mean, it's 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 the key is always for me really the the enthusiasm to do good by the company and figure out where you can what, what, how you can have an impact on the company. So, on one side, I try to create an atmosphere where an individual can really make an impact, not just four leaders high up in some org chart. We completely dismantle that. All these squad leads out there can really make an impact. Now it comes down to they grab it, right? And there is, we have built career tracks where you can be an individual developer contributor, really rising up the ranks and making as much as a vice president out here without having anybody report to you. But on the other hand, you can also work as that squad lead and try to make as much business impact by saying, wow, this business could save millions of dollars if I make this particular change for them and help this implement, help them implement it. So, I, I would literally like keep track of the people that make those first scores out there. And these can sometimes be fresh college hires out there that I'm already like, wow, they have the spark, right? <laughs> to say it. Like you see the light in their eyes, it's like, I get it. I get what the impact for it is. And like, again, I don't want to judge anybody that just say, hey, I just want to solve amazingly complex problems pure in code. I love that as much too, because I need a lot of that too. But sometimes you also have the people that want to elevate and then apply it also to it. And it takes it takes both of those type of traits to you know run the organization in that. I love that. Do you find um, that you have to like I guess the, the best way to ask this would be team motivation, right? Everyone yeah. moves and has highs and lows. But I'm yeah. curious to maybe some tricks that you have or some you know techniques will will we'll not yeah. be like clickbaity right what are some yeah. techniques do you have <laughs> um to sort of raise the energy of a team that may be a little down well i mean you can imagine like especially being at the central group that isn't directly a PL, as they say right profit and loss right like we are essentially in the first essence a cost center and our impact needs to come from the businesses so a big thing that we have done is to make sure that the businesses together with us work on what was their cash impact and how do we use it. So we meter, of course, usage by the end customers and we measure the cash impact based on, you know, uh, growth profit, growth or like, you know, cost savings on it. And um, I see most people get motivated by it. I mean, it, it come, but it, because it distills to one simple thing now, are people using my software? I mean, there are lots of examples and I've seen it even at other companies also and every once in a while here too that something doesn't work and there's nothing more disappointed than when you slave away for so long on something that you truly wanted out there and if it then doesn't work yeah that is just you know the most disappointing thing so the celebrating successes together but and showing the business impact that you actually had is one of the more key motivating thing. And again, that's possible because we have these small groups that individually delivers in, basically an API can be a software product. And we celebrated already at that level. There's not like, oh, these 400 people had success. No, these 15 people had success. They did project X and it did Y. Yay, applause for you guys, right? And that's awesome. Well, that, that reminds me of like how Jeff Bezos talks, right? Everything he's ever done that's great started small. Yeah. And you, you start something small, you get the first person to buy in, you get the second person, and then you, before you know it, I mean, everyone's doing it and everyone's using it. And I, I really like that um, it's a practice and patience, but mm. I love how you brought something to my attention, how you 
position a measurable point of success for the project um, on the micro a little bit too. Like, you know, yeah. it's not like a macro as a whole organization where it's like, yay, we hit the company goal, right? It's like very real to them when they see those API requests coming through and fire yeah. out and, and the logs or whatever, maybe. I like that. I haven't, I, that's actually, that's unique. I, I haven't heard anyone um, bring that up. Well, I stole it a little bit from Amazon. I have to be honest there. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> and I mean, I, I mean, this is this is just a distillment of um, uh, being inspired by a couple of great leaders in Amazon, but also just you know reverse engineering things that you read at like you know high scalability uh, Martin Fowler blogs, uh, these kind of things. I, I I distilled it a little bit together. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm the most original thinker. I just you know scrape and scrape a lot of this together and and try to bring it to the team. But I do believe in that individual celebration. Uh, of an impact with people that you can all name by their first name because you know them well, right? And that, there's no, there, that's the best feeling you can have always when when you score together as a group. Yeah, I just haven't, that's not, I like it because you creatively put stuff together from your experience, which is what humans do. And you're here today sharing. And that's, to me, why that stands out is because um, it meets all the qualifiers in the back of my mind. It's easy to implement, logical, it doesn't cost anything like to, and then it has a high potential for return immediately with your groups of people. So yeah. there's so many listeners that they may say, Oh, I could easily come up with some measurable point of impact for the team. Mm. And then now I've got a technique to um, have them have additional buy-in and care more. I remember specifically uh, when we hired, we hired, uh, I was the original engineer on our, on the company we're working on now. I made the, yeah. Uh, made in Ruby. And then I, I hired Nick to come and work for us. And he said, the thing that he was most excited about was he was coming onto a project that already had customers. He had spent the last four years building code bases that ultimately weren't used outside of beta. They were like funding things that didn't get used. And he was just working yeah. for the company. And he, in, in the fire and the passion that I saw in this guy, I was like, wow, he's been starved for working, like being able to see the users on the platform, watch the database fill up, see reports. Exactly. You know, like it's fun. You did it for something. And I mean, um, and, and there are like literally tangible things that, um, well, maybe, maybe a tip. What is important, so especially in bigger companies is that, um, the besides the technology organization, like Robert Keane, the founder uh, and CEO still of our company, uh, Simpress, he's also very much into tune that like technology is the one of the driving forces throughout Simpress. Not the only one, but definitely one of the driving forces. And um, and, and and more and more we're recognizing that there are tangible results financially very often, but also just in usage and and the happiness of the customers, that just a quicker turnaround for that he's like, we need to share that very broadly with everybody in the organization. Now you can imagine for a publicly traded company, that means everybody has a lot of information in our organization and that requires also trust. So it's actually also an extra cool thing. There is a lot of information that's being shared if you work uh, uh, in Sempres with these kind of inf um, uh, uh, impact that, that some of these services can have, uh, from the actual financial results, even from the individual impact on it. And yeah, that makes it that you can celebrate it, but you also need to be willing to do that. I like what you're saying. You're innovative in how you're, you're running your teams, um, but print might not, like printing objects might not seem like the 
the sexiest or the coolest. <laughs> so what are you doing to overcome that attract talent other than just being awesome? <laughs> well, I mean, the awesome only goes so far, right? And I wouldn't say that that's the main attraction. But, but um, yeah, I think it, it is definitely, um, it gets really sexy when it's a massive scale. And we're talking about millions and millions of, of packages in high season, like in the actual unique products that go out of it. And then the individual problems that we actually get to solve inside of this giant amount of orders, data, and that kind of stuff. That's where the real technology uh, 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 kicks in. And I think it's a little bit interesting. Every time when we have candidates coming in, they always think, you know, ah, you are the guys from the business cards and pizza print in Europe or some other brands that they say. Then they come in and they see the complexity of the workflow systems. They see the problems that we have solved with a product uh, model where uh, everything is attribute-based generated. How do you do search around these things when there are billions of permutations possible and how do you keep that responsive? Like there are tremendous, tremendous technical pro uh, problems or challenges, I should say, that we have solved or are still solving further ahead. And then people are like, okay, sign me up, where can I start? Oh, and I can also do it in an individual team where I can have, have, have impact instead of work on a you know, multi-year big project. And that's sort of like how we, um, how we get people a little bit more excited on, on, on these things. I like it. And then you've got like, you have some like Roombas running around the office that you can program. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do got these uh, driving around iPads through, uh, <laughs> on wheels uh, around the office here, which is like, I forgot the name of that system, but like we get a lot of locations. So, you know, people, you know, skate over to uh, others desks and you see a face coming through the hallway <laughs> with somebody from another location that's driving to, uh, to see if somebody's heading around his desk. I still think Slack is an easier way, but sometimes people like to just you know, poke around with these things. <laughs> How many of do you have? I, I don't know. I think there's like two or three over here in the in the floor here in the Boston, in the Waltham, uh, Boston office. But uh, yeah, people people hook up on that. Like in our internal internet, you can find one. And if not, somebody's already piloting them, then you can drive them around here on the floor. Have you never seen those things? Oh, I have. I'm curious to know your actual experience with how cool they are. I've seen them on TV and stuff. Yeah, it's actually, people like it. It's, a, it's like, I want to join a stand-up, which might be physical. Now, you can do this around the screen or somebody just drives here inside of a, like an office or something. People, I think there's half gimmicky, but, I, <laughs> but there is also a little bit of the, you know, you get the vibe a little bit more from the office when you're driving around and you look through the hallway and you can go, hey, <laughs> How are you doing when somebody comes by? So that, that's kind of interesting with it too. Now, I have to say, your LinkedIn picture, I just, I knew we would be best friends when I saw <laughs> I was like, I, I have to find out where he's located because the next time I'm in that city, I go to all the major cities like to say hi to the guests and everything like that. And yeah. um, like, we'll get a dinner together with like two or three of the cool like CTO technologists in the area. And we'll just, it'll be like <laughs> three or four of us, right? Um, but when I saw your shirt, I was like, yes, yes, yes. I, I, I took a picture of the screen and texted it to my wife. I said, check out who's coming on the show. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love wearing, wearing those kind of t-shirts. I got a whole collection of it. And it's like, you know, every once in a while I wear a shirt because my wife makes me really go to a fancy restaurant. But like, that's about it. Uh, <laughs> so for people who are listening, you want to describe the shirt for them? 
Yeah, you got like your prototype blue, <laughs> like blue color kind of a thing going on. It looks like you go to some 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 fancy lawyer office uh, anytime soon. No, no, describe describe the shirt that you. That's my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like meant to describe. It looks like I'm going to uh, pitch in front of investors, right? Uh, yeah. I, so, <laughs> I didn't wear. The Fair enough. Yeah. Then I wear it too. Although last investor day, I wore my Stargate. Uh, Earth address shirt for the for Wall Street investors, so, <laughs> but I wore a blazer on top of it, which was already like the CFO was like, "Really, you're gonna wear a Stargate sci-fi shirt?" Well, today I wear my Firefly shirt with um, like a slightly pixelated uh, the the cast of the show, which I love the Firefly sci-fi show, and they're slightly pixelated that they look a little bit like Minecraft characters or something. Yeah, and the one in your LinkedIn profile, it was like this. A, like cartoon dinosaur and yeah. it just said all my friends are dead <laughs> yes and keep in mind the dinosaur looks very sad <laughs> you came up with this or no 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 this is actually from a i think a, a comical children's book but there is a there's like a lot of things are dead and that is the end conclusion of every page it's like you can google it and there's a little book on it it's like it's pretty fun although think about the appropriate age when we would actually <laughs> Show it to your kids. Okay. So CTOs that are at startups versus large corporations, what are the big differences? Yeah. Or you're at a large corporation right now. So yeah. what what advice would you give startup CTOs um, that are either growing to become large corporations or will be at a large corporation in the next couple of years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah. When I came from originally with the photo book company, I was very much that, you know, um, technology sort of vision guy, but operational tech manager, right? Because that's what every startup CTO actually is, right? Like, especially at that time, AWS just came out. I mean, I was one of the first S3 customers on it. I jumped as quickly as I could because I was, I hate standing in server rooms, (laughs) screwing in that stuff. But, um, uh, you know, you have to do everything, right? Um, and then all of a sudden you catch success. And that's when focus on the people and the team around you is the number one to one, number eight priority before anything else comes. Because it's all about making sure that the people around you are making the right decisions every, uh, every day. Um, while you, for the first time, have to learn to sit at a management table and welcome to going to the financials and welcome to marketing challenges and welcome to manufacturing, in my case, challenges with like, oh, you know, we can just blow all the orders of the night into a factory. We have to actually be smart about that and like, you know, all these kind of things. So you have to learn all of a sudden five new complete areas that uh, you were like, with some basic knowledge and reading one book is okay when you're doing like 10 million, but all of a sudden you're doing a hundred million dollar company. This stuff is real now. And then we got a, when I got acquired, I'm really in a company like this, like that's why I also wanted to stick around and I wanted to learn like, what does it really mean into a multi-billion dollar company that, you know, at that time it wasn't actually a multi-billion dollar company, but it is now. And uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really about like, how do you motivate and, um, inspire large swaths of people, <laughs> which is like super alien. Was it, it was super alien for me, and like I had to learn that. Luckily, I have great people here around me that also help me with that. But it's like, how do you how do you reach four hundred people to go into the same direction? It's just mind boggling when you think even about it, and still is. But like, it's about like 
be over, communicate, 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 share everything, be genuine and set very clear goals of what you want to reach. That's like the key things around it, communication and the goals and then endlessly repeat it um, until at least the first 60% of those people get bored by that message. Then you know you have reached the last part of it. Yes, and I found that the, um, like from, from watching politicians, right? The, the smaller and the lighter the message, the faster and farther it can travel. Exactly. And that's actually maybe a good uh, extra point of what you, what you make, that you trigger me there. Personally, my biggest challenge was always talk less. I mean, I'm definitely not an English native speaker. And so for me, you know, having still my Dutch accents, which probably is quite clear. Sorry, listeners, if nobody's an issue, I'm trying to do better on it. But um, um, be, being able to just, you know, control the speed and the message and just have like, what, what are really the three main points instead of the other eight points that are flaring through my head, which I think are great points too. But if, <laughs> if, if I dump them to you, it's not gonna make those other three points any, any clearer. So stop it. <laughs> Sip it, right? And I'm just still struggling with that every day, <laughs> but got better at it. So one of, the, one of the little tricks I have, or techniques I have is um, I, I train myself mentally. Whenever I'm going to go into a meeting, I ask myself, uh, what are the three points and what's the outcome? And that way, like, I will forget about it. And then as I'm like, like five minutes or when the meeting alarm's going off, like 10 minutes before the meeting, I just quickly jot it down in a note on my phone or wherever I have. And I, def I put a bullet point outcome and then the three, the three things I want to communicate. Ah, great. And, and that's how I handle, because like I'll go in and speak with like a, even at the own uh, companies, the, like a CFO or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's always just all the conversations I try to, to do that. It's, it's exactly grounds you and make sure that you keep on track. And it's also very measurable. Eh? And one of the things, uh, if any of the, um, my people are listening to this podcast, they will immediately recognize it. Like a week later, we always send like a super simple survey, survey monkey out saying, that's like, what are the three points that you got out of it? Which is just literally verifying that the three main points land, right? And we just do it a little bit multiple choice or we do it open forum, but we just want to hear, oh, these are the three main things that we focus on because then it at least landed. Uh, you get the majority of the people with that and that is yeah it's it's key and that like so that's how you can measure are you moving big swath of people actually i love it no that that's that's the measure of success i'm curious to know okay if uh you like you're a fan of elon musk like myself right <laughs> yes although i'm worried for him lately but like i think it's a face uh, hopefully i'll go pull through i'm rooting <laughs> We're only worried for him on like the larger consciousness level, like as a mass of, of, of humans, because like, you know, if like your friend went on some show and did that, or was just like messing around with people on Twitter, you'd be like, oh, that's just Jill being Jill or Bob being Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've literally had people ask me, hey, is Elon okay? As if I'm like friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. He probably just looks no. people on Twitter. Yeah. There's different echelons to knowing somebody. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, but you're in technology. It's like, hmm. <laughs> I don't know everybody in technology. <laughs> um, but all right, so let's say Elon calls you up and uh, all the, the podcast, Joe Rogan podcast nonsense has calmed down and he's no longer in any issues. And uh, he invites you over to his house. He's built a time machine, right? Ooh. And then okay. he to test it out because, you know, 
he sends other people in the rocket first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you get to go into the time machine and give yourself one piece of advice, only one, then come back. What would it be? Oh, wow. Um, first off, like, I, I'm sorry, I'm a big sci-fi movie fan, so I'm first going to like completely mangle your question. First off, if the time machine is a true time machine and you can also go to any place, I would set it to alien planets, first brink of real civilization and just be myself, not to myself, but to another alien civilization and just immediately get that fact clear for myself. So that was what I would do with the time machine. Back to the beginning of your career and you can only get the best for yourself. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I think the key thing that I would, would, um, uh, would say to myself is again, like, you know, place yourself in your communication. I have... Again, like it comes back to that same same tip. I have, excuse my friend, screwed up a lot of uh, opportunities and conversations by just going in there, blah, and just talking too much and go way too quick on on things. So, again, get those get the core things that you really want to get out of it, and then trust that if the intent is right, if it's right for the company and it's right, then it's, and it's right for the party that you're sitting across the table with, then um, take that time and get that point across instead of thinking that you have to come up with so much more around it. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm an extrovert quite clearly uh, as people are, and it's like, I have information overload uh, uh, possibilities towards somebody. So just paste yourself is, would be my main advice towards it. And it took me like 15 to 20 years to get better at it. I'm working at it every day. <laughs> we were writing sales pages the other day and I'm like, oh, they got to know this. Oh, but they got to know that. And I'm like, because there's no, what happens is, and I found out too, my brother and stepmom are both physicians. And so I was actually having this conversation with them. Wow. And when we, when we have an idea and our uh, neurons fire, and our synapse fire off, yeah. Yeah. we actually get rewarded chemically for the idea. Like yeah. we're built to have ideas and be rewarded in our physiology to continue to think of ideas. So what happens is we think of that idea, we're like, oh yes, but then it's um, the law of diminishing returns. It's never as special as it is the first time. Exactly, exactly. Ah, uh, yeah. I did not know that. So basically nature is playing a trick on yourself, thinking like, ah, oh, I'm gonna share this great feeling that I have about this idea, but you're not helping anybody actually with it, including yourself. Well, it, what it does is it gives you a, um, a baseline to understand that that great idea that you have, you can just take that and say, all right, that idea clearly communicates what I wanted to communicate and just mm. let it be there versus mm. what I would do. What my default stated is, is to just keep coming up with new ways, new cool ways to say the same thing. <laughs> and then it just bores them up. It's like, I get it. I get the sentiment. I understand the concept, you know? It pains me, but because I recognize it so much. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me. This has been a fantastic podcast. Loved it. And uh, if you're ever here in Boston, come come by for, for a drink or a bite, then uh, I'll wear that t-shirt. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's no, great. <laughs> There's a, um, a link to purchase it. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> We got, a, we, got, we got a couple of brands where you can make those t-shirts too. So, uh, you know, check out Vistaprint, baby. There you go. Yeah, there's the plug. Vistaprint.com. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Yep, Vistaprint.com. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. We're all wrapped up here. Uh, people want to find out more and get to know you. They would visit your LinkedIn profile. Are you active there or Twitter? 
Uh, I am uh, getting more active on Twitter, which is like my my my, my intent a little bit on it. Uh, and on LinkedIn also, definitely. Um, um, that's a little bit more. Although lately I'm receiving a, lo a lot of like sort of spam kind of requests there. So I'm actually a little bit, yeah, I am sort of like a little bit uh, figuring out what is the best new channel to go on this because LinkedIn is not that clean as it used to be for me anymore. It's just endless recruiters and and companies that try to sell their software product to me. Maybe the title doesn't help, actually, <laughs> as you might know. <laughs> What's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Maarten my full name. Okay, very cool. Yeah, you know what? I noticed a kick up about uh, th three months ago. Like, yeah. I don't know if it, I couldn't tell if it was me getting more popular, but then I saw other people um, posting about it too. And yeah. I it like six or eight a day. Well, I know they have some smart. I know they have some smart people over there because Kevin Scott, who's the CTO of Microsoft, mm. one of the people that was early at LinkedIn. Yeah, and, and you uh, interviewed him, right? Yeah, yeah. Kevin's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. and then I know that they have a lot of bright people over there in general. So what will probably happen is just out of the nature of enterprise. You know, I think they kicked it up three months ago, or people yeah. more three months. I think in the next six months they're going to get a grip on it because they they're huge company and they they tend to respond pretty well to the market in the past so absolutely yeah yeah and they're part of microsoft now of course yeah for sure maybe they're maybe 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 it's just you and me and a couple of other people that are caught in some a b test or something <laughs> of, uh, different engagement yeah <laughs> awesome oh. all right so i'm gonna go but yeah when i'm in boston next time i'll send you an email and uh we'll i'll just stop by say hello maybe we'll grab a drink or something you're super welcome. Right. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Cheers.